And hello, 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 everybody, and welcome back to the BSP podcast. This is Brendan Petrilli here with you today, and we're going to have some rugby talk for this episode of the podcast. I have my good friend here, Seamus Hanrahan, with me here to talk some rugby. How's it going, Seamus? Not bad. How are you? Yeah, it's good. I mean, we just got out of practice right now. Um, we got to watch some film today, a little 7s and 15s action as we're moving into our season. Um, Seamus, you want to tell us what we got coming up uh, the next couple weeks here? Yeah, so starting this weekend, we have two tournaments. Usually how the spring works is we'll have two different 7s teams, an A-side and a B-side playing. Um, but because of the change in the league standings with the Collegiate Rugby Championships no longer being a an event um, this season... The way that Nescro has their tournament, it has changed. So we only have the opportunity to have one sevens team this season. So our uh, elite side will be playing sevens in a tournament at Millersville University, Frostbite, with somewhat like 20 teams being there. Yep. And our uh, B-side guys will be playing a 15s game against the rest of the Millersville, Millersville team. team. Yep. So we got a jam-packed weekend coming up. Um, for the whole rest of the season, we've been very fortunate to have a lot of New uh, people come out and play. What did we have the other day at practice? Around almost 40 guys. Yeah. Close. Mm-hmm. And that's even not encountering some guys that we know that will be there. So it's been we've been very lucky as a program to really go out here at Susquehanna and get all of these new kids and help keeping our program going and let it grow. Because for people that don't know, we finished uh, third at uh, the tournament uh, this past fall season in 15s. What was that for? Like uh, That was the – so we Nesco. lost in the round of 16 yeah. game, and then we had a consolation match where we beat Spring Hill College Spring Hill out of College. Alabama. Yep. And we played real hard against Christendom. Um, it was a tough game. We were with them the whole way up until the end. And then they lost to Loyola, who's going to go and play – uh, probably uh, Claremont. Yeah, Claremont's in there, I believe. I don't know. Did I don't know the. I don't know. Did if Salve it, make it out of? The they might have. Yeah, but it, it, we we had a very successful. That's the farthest farthest we've gone in the 15 season, and we're really proud of that to be able to go down to North Carolina and play in that Sweet 16 and give us the opportunity to make a run at it. But now we're moving back into the sevens. And last season, we finished, what, fifth at CRCs, Mm -hmm. uh, which was in Philadelphia. But we were talking about how that's not a thing anymore. It's going to be at where we played in Raleigh again, This the sevens tournament. I don't know if it's at the same location. But, yeah, it'll be down in North Carolina. So we're going to need to – we have three different qualifiers that we can attend. And if you win one of them, you're in. So – our no, sorry, sorry, sorry. We have our Mark Series – and if you win the Mark Series, you qualify. Mm. Yeah. So we have that coming up this weekend. And then 15s, we got a jam-packed schedule coming up. If anybody wants to come uh, watch us play 15s, we're going to have a couple home games uh, this fall uh, with, a, with a lot of our younger guys and myself included, if you want to come watch us play. I mean, we have a, a home game against UMBC on April 18th, and uh, we're going to have a home game on March 21st. Um, we don't have an opponent yet. Somebody dropped out, but we're looking to get it. But anyway, so I want to ask you, Seamus, what do you think has been the biggest thing for our success as a program the past couple of years for Susquehanna? Uh, I would absolutely say that it's the level of dedication that a lot of the team puts in. Um, currently with this season, we have 8 a.m. fitness sessions, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 
We have practice on any field we can get on campus yep. at 4.15 every day of the week. And occasionally, if we don't have a tournament, we'll have practices on Sundays as well. And that just shows with a lot of D1 AA teams in our area that that's the closest elite uh, uh, league that is near us. They um, A lot of them only practice twice a week, if yep. that. Yeah, I think that's been a huge thing for us is being able to – have Doc be a professor uh, professor on campus, tenure professor, and be able to go and get us talk with all the athletic administrations and be like, hey, are the other sports teams, all right, when are you guys going on the field? Can we get on after you? I think that's been a big thing for us moving forward. And like we said, 8 a.m.s Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then we have, usually have try to have practice either at night or at 4.15. We're starting to get back into that 4.15 every day, which is great. It's easier to get guys out because of classes. It's tough getting those early and later times when people have classes. But 4.15 at this school is from there to 6 or till 7. It's free for anybody for whatever activity, no classes. So it's easy to get everybody out then. And I think a big thing coming from that and is building that culture that we've had. And all of us, like, we're watching film. We're all joking around with each other, hanging out. Like we all enjoy being with each other and that makes us push each other harder to work and to not let your teammates down. I think that's been a real big thing that I think Raheem kind of installed yeah. the past couple of years when he was here, he graduated last year and we're trying to keep that continuing because we don't have right now those big athletic guys like Raheem, Isaiah Cooper, mm-hmm. and we kind of have to do it as a unit and be able to keep it going as a team. Another great thing that I've noticed being here for three years is how involved our alumni network yeah. can be. Oh, yeah. Uh, for the first couple of years, you could see it just in them coming back through donations, through supporting the team, coming to our away games if it was near where they lived. And one of the bigger things that happened in the past two years was Tony Zitta coming yep. and joining on as an assistant coach who was an alumni from the team, and now he's a professor at the school. And that just shows even with Doc having – two young kids having to take care of his family. Yeah. We have young guys that played in the program and are willing to step up and help us as we move forward. Yep. And Randy coming in from Bucknell a couple of years ago, he's been an absolute amazing coach to have being able to step up now because Doc's got the kids. Uh, he's able to start and to take the reins a little bit of the sevens. And it's just been, it's been a lot of fun and we're really thankful for everybody that helps us out along the way. But let's get into a little bit of our backgrounds here uh, with rugby Seamus. So how long has it been for you? Like you've been playing. This year, I count it from, I started playing when I was six years old. Yeah. So, uh, 21 now, so everybody can do the math. Right around, yeah, 15 years. Yeah. So, what has been, for me, I started as a sophomore in high school playing, but I was always around the game. My dad played for like 25 years, so I've always been there. My dad didn't let me start playing until I was done with baseball, but uh, I've actually, I've loved, ever since I've played, I haven't looked back, and I absolutely love it. Can you talk a little bit about why you love the game so much? Yeah, so when I was younger, my father works at a college, and we had the opportunity to go on a semester-long trip to New Zealand where my dad was the administrator for a group of kids attending school there. And when we were there, I was only in first grade, but rugby there is obviously their main sport, and everyone plays it. So from day one on the playground at recess, I was – learning how to play rugby once I got there. Everyone wanted to play rugby. Um, Being there, I attended an all-blacks game against Ireland and a Crusaders match as well from Super Rugby. Coming back, I had the opportunity uh, where a league had just been started in my area for kids starting at the age of five years old, 
and I had the uh, I was able to play touch going up until sixth grade when I started tackle, and just my program throughout high school was fantastic. I got to all the all the benefits of having a high school that supported a rugby team, yep. which isn't super common in our area. Mm-hmm. And I would say that the reason I stuck with rugby this long is because. If anybody knows me, I'm not the most athletic person, but knowing the game has been what's gotten me this big far and for being you, able yeah. to just kind of trick people into letting me score. And it, it's definitely a big th- asset that you have in your game where you can go and you just know how the game's going to work so you know how to get the ins and outs and kind of flirt the line a little bit. That's what makes makes it how we all get very successful about that. But coming from that, what have been some of like the biggest takeaways from playing rugby like growing up? So one one of the things that I always loved about rugby was sometimes when my friends, when we were younger, they would be playing football or lacrosse or baseball, baseball, or sometimes all three whenever they could. And so many kids played so many sports growing up. And a lot of parents now try and focus kids on one sport, and they don't really get to do a whole lot there. If you yeah. grow up being an offensive lineman, all you do is be an offensive lineman for years. And the one thing that I've always loved about rugby is that no matter how small you are, how big you are, whether you're not good at catching the ball, whether you're only good at throwing the ball, there's always a place for you on the field, and you're always welcomed into that team like a family. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing with rugby is the culture that it builds. And any team you go to, like when we were abroad, like we were the guys that we were hanging out at a bar in England, these guys come over, they see we have our rugby stuff on, like, oh, you play rugby. And we're in a uh, country, like in Europe, no idea, and they're like, we're like, yeah. And, like, we just instantly bonded at the bar, and we were just hanging out with those guys all night just because of rugby. I think that's been, like, the biggest thing for me growing up is seeing my dads and his friends, like, still today. They have, like, the greatest connection. They're best friends. Like, every time we go out, like, we're hanging out at somebody's place. Like, it's just like a family. Like, I call them my uncles pretty much, um, and it's been a great thing. So having that culture in rugby and that's like that everywhere in Europe, in New Zealand, wherever. I was surprised by that when we went over there. Yeah. Just having us be Americans and then be knowing that we loved rugby as much as they did, it was automatically like something that we were already part of their group and they were willing to hang out with us and talk to us. And yeah. I feel like you don't get that with a lot of American sports. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, if we go over there like, oh, you play football, like, yeah, no one cares, mm-hmm. you know. But it, coming from that, like having it, the game grow over here now in the United States – has been it's been a very slow process. So the game's always been here. Like my dad played for a while, uh, but now it's starting to pick up a little bit. Yeah, you're starting to have leagues. You have the MLR now, the Major League Rugby. So they're in their third season now, and it's starting to really gain some traction a little bit. I think in the United States. Yeah, I mean you can see that with um, some of the ways that a lot of collegiate teams operated in yeah. the '80s and '90s and '70s. It was. It was more of a drinking Drinking, club. yeah, have fun, yep. The first team to really take it seriously, and we've seen their dominance for years, was Cal University yep. winning multiple championships in the 80s and just continuing their dominance. They're the first team that really took it seriously, and now a lot of colleges are starting to catch up with funding these programs. Yeah. So coming from that, um, the MLR just expanded, what, they just added three new teams? Yeah. And that put them up to 12? Yes. Yes, 12 teams. And... Now they have two different divisions, the East and the West. The East has been a powerhouse this year Yeah, um, coming in. And oh, I got to get my laptop out. I forgot about that. But it was the East has really been taken over with the influx of just, I think, 
having these teams, um, the talent level is starting to get there, and it's three years in the league. Uh, the league has been, and a lot of people have been playing together now for those three years, and these mm-hmm. teams are really starting to run with it. Do you have the standings there, Seamus? Yeah, I do have them up. Yeah. Uh, can you read it off for me, please, a little bit? What? Who's 3-0? Uh, uh, right now, uh, the Toronto Arrows and Arrowheads and the San Diego Legion are 3-0. Yeah. So, I mean, and then in the West, you, you're you going to end up having, uh, as of right now, I mean, it's only three weeks into the league, but you're, you have uh, the second-place team there is 1-2, right? Yeah, and it's just going. It's, they're one, one, and one. One, one, and one. Yeah. So I mean, it's kind of have what the NFL has, where like the Eagles this year, they were nine and seven. Everybody thinks like, oh, why they're in a? They only were in it because they were in a bad division and they won their division, but they made the playoffs somehow. Yeah. And you can kind of the it's early in the year, but you might see where a team that doesn't have the best record, but because they're second in that conference, make it to the playoffs because only the top four teams, top two from each. Uh, conference are going to make the final four for the playoffs yeah last year they did not have the conference standing so the top four teams made it through and that was toronto uh rugby united new york san diego and seattle seattle yeah well let's talk about seattle real quick yeah they are the two-time defending champs uh for the mlr and they have not won a game at all yet or yeah they have not won yeah and i want to get your takeaway on what do you think it's been to go from the cream of the crop, winning back-to-back years to 0-3 out the gate, now going, coming into the third. The the surprising thing is the first year of MLR, they they were fairly far and above the best team. They seemed to have the best culture with the Seattle Rugby Club up there, having a lot of involvement dating years back, starting, helping them grow. And they had just a great team with Ben Seema at 10, a couple other notable players. They had the MLR Player of the Year last year. Um they have uh, Brock Stoller, who was the um, leading point scorer for MLR last year at wing. He he scores tries and he kicks their conversions and points for them. And um, the biggest thing is they they're getting caught up to. Yeah, you can see it with a lot of the teams in the East, which is the surprising thing because they've played Old Glory DC, who was beat pretty badly in their first game of the season by yep. Nola Gold. Yep. And then the next week they beat Seattle. Well, it was still a close game, but they're a brand new team who a lot of these guys have some MLR experience and not really. A lot of them are from the New Zealand Meter 10 Cup. Uh, They have Tendai Matawara, who's obviously a great player. But a lot of these guys, it's their first uh, MLR experience, and they even have a couple Penn State guys coming off the bench for them. So young guys that are just playing well against the Seattle team. Yeah, and... it's definitely something to show, which we're going to touch on in a little bit, the influx of talent and how other teams are starting to get better and make better competition for the league, which is going to end up driving it. But let's get into Old Glory now. That's kind of been our team that we kind of picked up on uh, as they just start. This is their first inaugural season. And the one thing that was huge for them is, uh, even for the MLR, is getting the beast in. And that's going to be a big thing. You know, it's a prop, and I'm a prop, so I know how much they how they are very important for a team. But it's not the like the big glamour guy that's going to go and score you a bunch of tries. But getting a guy that was on the South Africa team this past World Cup and was one of the best props in the whole World Cup uh, this past year, and having him come over 
and bring just his cachet of a World Cup champion and to bring it to the United States, it'll help the game grow a lot. Yeah, absolutely. You can see it with his influence in the D.C. area. D.C. area. Well, what we were talking about it earlier. What do you think his take is on coming over here now? It's really not for the money. No, it's not. Oh, I mean, it's for the money, but not like in the playing in the league per yeah, se. Yeah, he has a lot of opportunities coming to DC to start out with this new team and be the face of rugby in that area. And with the way rugby's growing in the US and if it's growing like it is projected to and a lot of people hope it will, he could become the father of DC rugby, which would be a lasting legacy and Obviously, he would have multiple ways to make money out of that, but I don't know if that's all what he's about. He's always been, in South Africa, one who helps out a lot of underprivileged families, people from lower-income areas, and coming to D.C., I know he plans on bringing a lot of that with him, and that's a good area where he can help out. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely awesome to see where it can kind of be a trend now. Mm. And we were talking about it earlier. Do you have a list of some of the guys um, that have, come over from these other European leagues, and they're like, he was kind of one of the first guys. I know Mao Nanu. Yeah, Mao Nanu, he's on the Legion now, which was a big one because he almost made the All Blacks roster for this past World Cup. Um, There's Mathieu Bastot, who left France after disagreements with their uh, program and now plays for Rugby United New York. He's that big dude we were watching, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's a big center, but they currently have been playing him at eight. So and then um, Rooney also has Ben Foden, who was a former English international, who's been consistent at them with them for fullback. Um, trying to think, who else is there? I think I've named some people before. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll we'll try to look some more up right now. But just even just those guys in general can start to have the other other people in those Premiership leagues, the New Zealand uh, leagues, uh, even the Japan league, yeah. where they can start to see, oh, like, MLR starting to gain traction. I think I could be very successful here. Like, it's not the big-name guys that are killing it there, but they're, like, the lower, not even lower, but just, like, the, oh, okay, like, yeah, yeah. for that league. But they can come here and dominate and showcase and really grow with the league. It's very much mirroring the way Major League Soccer has been for a while with uh, Wayne Rooney coming over and playing Uh in the U.S., Latan Ibrahimovic, and... That's something that they can capitalize on greatly. Yep. I mean, for this to be continued success, Seamus, what what are we thinking going forward? I mean, as you can see, the competition's getting a lot better. The preseason, the first two game the first two weeks, you can kind of see like everybody it was kind of like friendlies a little bit where the games weren't as competitive. But this past week, I twenty seven uh, Nola Gold over Colorado Raptors at twenty-seven to twenty, but then you get a tie, a tie in rugby yeah. w- with uh, the Utah Warriors and Austin. How do you even say that? Gil Gilgorins. Gilgorins. Yeah, um, which they were they were surprised a little bit too. They were defeated all of last year, right? Yeah. And they just changed their names. No wins. They went from yeah. Austin Elite to Austin, Austin Gilgorins. Yeah. So I mean, even them from breaking their defeated streak now to getting it more competitive than uh, Houston Sabercats lost 22 to 13 to old glory. Uh, Seattle got stomped by Toronto. Toronto's but they were there in one of the new expansion teams, right? Not this year. Not last this year. Last year, year they were their first season and yeah. they made playoffs their first season. Yeah. And then they won Toronto won 39 to 17 over them. 
Uh, I mean, 22-19, uh, Uni, uh, United New York Rugby uh, over Rugby ATL. I mean, just a lot of very tough, close games. San Diego, 30-21 to over New England. So just the competition this past weekend made some very entertaining games to watch. That's the that's the real surprising thing to me is like you were saying earlier about how the uh, the Eastern Conference currently like it's very easy in the, early in the season, but a lot of the teams doing well are these expansion teams, yeah. which all three of them are currently in the East. With um, Old Glory coming out to a bad start, obviously against Nola, but winning their past two games, um, Rugby ATL beating Utah in their first game, mm-hmm. and then continuing on with success and even having a close game against NOLA, who's one of the better teams in the league. And one of the bigger surprises was New England Free Jacks beating Rooney in the first game of the season, which Rooney was a playoff team last year, losing losing out on going to the finals by a converted kick from the corner. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to see. And that's what's going to drive this and to make it successful throughout the way, I think. Because it's a long 16-game season, kind of just like the NFL and it's going to be very interesting moving forward. I want to get your take on what's going to make this gain su- sustaining success in the United States moving forward. Because you don't have the commercials that everybody hates in football. And you have the action pack and you have the physicality of football. I think there's a lot there where they can start to run with it. I think that um, the ads are absolutely something that is going to someone's going to have to come up with a solution because with the American market, that's obviously a huge portion of it is ad revenue. They've already gotten TV deals with CBS CBS to televise some games and ESPN ESPN Plus has the rest of them. But I think the biggest thing for these teams is developing fan bases around them. And I think future expansion teams might not come from the biggest cities that already have professional sports teams of other kinds. It's going to come from those communities that already have a large rugby presence and they know would be willing to support a team because these fans, they might not have the largest fan base to begin, but they're going to be very dedicated and loyal fans. They're going to love the players that come to their city. Yeah, and going from there is going to be interesting moving forward because I've loved it watching the past couple games. In our house, Seamus put the ESPN Plus up on the TV and we'll watch the games live if we can on the weekends if we don't have a game or we'll watch the recording of it. And the games have been entertaining and fun to watch for the most part. Yeah. And coming from there, another big thing that's always been popular from the past couple of years has been sevens. And integrating the U.S. sevens, have the team has been very good the past three years now, I would say. Three, four years where they've been really gaining success. And like they finished second last year in the, the World Cup. Or what what was it called? Yeah, World Rugby uh, Seven Series. Mm-hmm. They finished behind Fiji by a couple points. Yeah, and now this year they they struggled out of the gate, but now they're starting to gain ground. Where they finished third in the last tournament in Sydney, and then now they're coming into the LA Sevens, which is the event this weekend in the United States. Yes. So it's they have won this uh, this series. Or I mean, sorry, this tournament the past two years on their in the U.S., which I think is a huge opportunity for them to show the United States how we can be very good at this game, and it, you guys will love it. Which I think sevens kind of gives a little more of that fast pace, what everybody yeah. loves to watch. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, 
we had the Sevens World Cup in the United States a couple of years ago yeah. in San Francisco. And I think that it might have been just one cycle too early. I think if that would be here at the next Sevens World Cup, it could be a lot bigger. But the the opportunity to have a team hitting its stride, really, how it's getting better now going into the Olympics is something that's going to really be able to bolster the popularity of Sevens in the U.S., and the team really just needs to hit consistency. They've had players in the past that have really done a lot for the team, but some of those guys are getting older now, and now they're looking to the younger generations and the fresh fresh out of college kids to come in and play, and they've had a couple guys run through, try, try them out. They have some young guys on the team. But the whole thing about the U.S. team is that they, they go on these hot and cold streaks, yep. and all of last season they were on this incredible hot streak. Yep. And then after that start of this season they kind of went back to being that team of hot and cold streaks that we weren't used to seeing for a year so i think some people kind of thought they might have lost it but they still definitely have the power to beat any team in any given day for sure this uh last year last season for the series they finished the first uh five five events they either were in second or first and then they went uh they were third or they were fourth then they were third fourth, third, uh, going throughout. And then now this year, it's been a little bit more rocky as they struggled out of the gate. They finished, I don't know, they didn't place, then they were fourth, then they didn't place, and then this past one, they they finished third in Sydney. So moving into the Vegas Sevens, they're gaining some ground. And with the talent that they have on their team with Danny Barrett, Pinkelman, uh, is uh, Carlin Isles playing this year? Yeah, yeah. Thomasine. Yep, and um, it's just with all the talent and speed, and even uh, Perry Baker. I, I how did I forget him? He's a <laughs> staple for that team. And moving, they can start to get back into where they can just dominate and place every every uh, tournament. I think mm-hmm. moving forward, and they want that three peat in the United States. For the past three, win it for the third year in a row in the United States, and shout out to A uh, A G E uh, for they're hosting it the tournament out there. If Donald, if you're listening, uh, give me a shout out. Uh, maybe give me a job. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, but I'm not kidding. But it's always fun. You just try to keep it light, you know, Seamus. I feel like we've been a little tense. Sorry. No, nah, it's me too. <laughs> But it, it's it's fun though when we're talking about something that we're both passionate about. Especially you, you're like one of the biggest like junkies of rugby that yeah. I've ever met. Like you know, all these names you got, I'm like yeah, yeah, yeah. They sound really good, but you like actually know all your all your facts, all your stuff, and it's just great. Like, what made you? Is it just from a kid growing up that you just really grabbed on? To rugby like kids would with football or baseball or basketball? I was actually never big into watching sports when I was real young. Yeah. And the first tour that really got me into watching rugby was the Lions tour in 2017 uh, to New Zealand because I was just getting ready to go to college at that point, and I was thinking, like, I'm going to get killed in college. I am yeah. weigh 160 pounds. You know, I got to learn somehow. So I started watching and really just started. It's one of those games that – like like basketball, I feel like, where you can really relate to the players. You see uh-huh. them out there, you know their names, yeah. their faces, they're recognizable. And rugby's rugby's got that in itself where all these players, their names, they have these great plays and everything. So I started looking up to these players on the British and Irish Lions tour, and that really just got me started, and I started to love watching these guys over and over again. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just something that I think what, what you're talking about, where you can be personal with the players, because a lot of these MLR games, they come off the field and shaking everybody's hand, signing autographs yeah. right after the game. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's something that you can really get attached to as a kid growing up. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see. And coming in, you can go to the seven series if you want to go out to LA, and you'll be able to get that really first haunt first hands-on experience with the players. You're, they're right there in front of you. There's three games. I mean, moving into this, they have uh, a pretty winnable pool, I would say, for this upcoming uh, tournament where they have Samoa, they have Scotland, and then they have uh, Australia. Australia is right behind them in the standings right now, but the rest of the teams are... They're down there. Samoa, they were a very good team last year, mm-hmm. but now they're 13th. Scotland's 12th. I mean, I think they could get out of this pool untouched and maybe make another run here. Well, yeah, I can definitely see them coming out of it first or second seed. They're, they have yeah. a good chance of making it out of the pool. Um, Australia is just one of those teams where rugby's played throughout their country. You yep. never know who they're going to put on. That's going to be the next big thing for their sevens team. But um, Yeah, uh, this mic has been weird. But it it's definitely fun, again, to watch it get back. And it's going to be live on NBC a lot this weekend. So it, more exposure is definitely huge. I think I think that's about it, Seamus. We have fun? Yeah, yeah lots it's not, of fun. It's not as bad as you thought coming yeah. in. I'll be less stiff next time. Nah, dude, it's, it was fine. Um, but, you know, stuff like this, it's always hard to adapt a little bit. I know I struggled my first one when I was by myself. Yeah. Just trying to, because it's you and the mic and you mm. got people listening to you. Yeah. Which is fun though. And I appreciate everybody who's listened and has been following me the pa- uh, my first couple episodes of the podcast. And, you know, just thanks everybody so much. I think I'm going to have another one come out next week, uh, probably Wednesday, I'm thinking with two friends, another uh, two friends. We're going to talk about fan bases in sports and what makes you a fan of a team, experience, their experiences, and definitely mine as a Philadelphia <laughs> fan. So I, mean, I, I hope that'll be fun. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the BSP podcast. I was here with Seamus. Shout out to the 215 and go Birds.